Are you ready for the greatest show in fantasy football history hosted by the incomparable Scott Connor and the one and only Ray GQ? I present to you Destination Chill, where football and fantasy collide. Where the hell? There we go, baby. There we go. There we go. Scott, I'm dancing. I'm grooving. Like the intro song, I'm feeling it. I'm back here. I have me a little hit at a, you know, little, little hit at a hitty hit. I'm feeling good tonight, and the damn thing is black because Jay Rich left Scott. He left 30 seconds of black screen at the end of the new intro, but neither here nor there. Good evening, good people. It is Wednesday, October the 4th, 2023. We're in the building. This is Destination Chill. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Hit the thumbs up button. Like the content. We have a good time tonight. We really want to just relax very chill, casual environment to talk through some things that are sort of on our minds in the dynasty space, right? Uh, you know, there's a lot of content we consume from sun up to sundown, very strategic, very rigid, very process oriented. And this show, we really want to engage with you. So the chat is already popping tonight. We've got some super chats. We've got some stuff favorited. So please talk to us. Let us know what you guys are thinking, what you're feeling. This is a topic that is very near and dear to the hearts of Scott and I, um, just dynasty, how to maneuver, how to trade, how to how to encourage league activity, and damn, what is the trade market today in dynasty? I, I wrote a piece on the website, destinationdevy.com, just saying that there is no dynasty anymore. The dynasty world that we grew up in, that we thought, that we knew, it's different, it's changed, it's not the same. That doesn't mean it's bad, doesn't mean it's good, but how do you navigate a market in leagues where you want to get activity, you want to trade, you want to deploy these strategies, and it feels like there is a market of buyers, a market of sellers, and then in between, there's just no common ground, Scott. So bringing you in, welcome in tonight, glad we're here. We were not, uh, we did not have a show last week, I believe. Um, it's good to be back with you, man. Yeah, for sure. And this title was one that I've been thinking about for a little while and I pitched it to you the other day and I was like, you know what? We've had so many discussions in the Heisman voice chat about not even, it's not even negative. It's just navigating the waters that are different than what they were even a couple years ago. And my title for this show was Dynasty Mediation. And I'm just curious because this hits home for me uh, my day job, I'm an insurance litigator. I know you have a law background, Ray. So you and I both think alike when it comes to trying to get stuff done. Whether that's business, whether that's dynasty, we're probably trying to work for something that gets both people a little uncomfortable, right? Like I want to see in the chat, does anyone think they have the answer as to why you would ever need to mediate something? Why you would ever need somebody to come in and look at both sides and say, you know what, you may have to give a little there, you may have to give a little there, but the ultimate goal is to walk away with this where we both get something done to where, I don't even want to say it's collusion, right? But if I make a really good deal with you in a league and you make a really good deal with me in a league, who loses? Just ponder that question. If I make a really great deal for the direction of my team and you make one in that same league with me, that helps the direction of your team, who loses in that trade? Nobody, right? Who loses? If, you, if win. I, you win, right? Right. You win. Mm -hmm. I win. Mm -hmm. You know who loses? The other 10 people that didn't yeah, make any deals. The rest of the league. Right? You and I, yes, yes, Correct. yes, Correct. yes. You and I independently, neither of us lost. We both made 
deals that help the direction of our team, but we're not losers. I guess, yeah, the rest of the league who's stagnant, who doesn't do anything, those are the true losers in, in situations. And I think that is applicable no matter the league, no matter the format. Yes. Yes, and that's that's kind of where we came up with this episode title was Dynasty Mediation. How do you meet people in the middle? And I think we have to start with this. It's easy to say, Ray and I can make a trade because we have that kind of relationship where I'll just tell you, Ray, your team sucks, bro. Like you need to make some moves. And whether you listen to me or not, I can put it in your ear. You can put it in my ear. Just even if we're not talking to each other directly, if we're just in voice chat or we're just bouncing stuff off of each other, I can be like, yeah, you know, it's probably a good idea to think about moving those Camara shares on those one and three or zero oh and four teams, right? Probably makes sense for you to think about doing that. It might even make sense for you to start thinking about moving assets that you maybe they're not going to age out this year or next year, but their market value or their demand on the open market is going to go away. And the only thing they have is Mike Evans, Keenan Allen. All they have is. Are they producing? Are they not injured? Are they producing? That's the right. only outcome. So retool, you you have to think about not just the players, but what direction can they give me when I need to go back to the buyer's market in a year? What do I want my team makeup to be? What do I want my roster construction to be? And you got to make moves getting to that. So that's where we're going to start. How do you get people to even recognize that direction that they need to go that that I know you have thoughts on this. So go. Well, well, no, I'm going to actually set the stage. So you can, I'm going to set the stage. You're going to direct the show and the, in the, in the chat, they're going to comment and give us feedback. And I think there's a good way to do this, right? So we're going to take probably about 15 minutes on this one, Scott. And at about in 15 minutes, I'm going to stop you because I want to move to the next subset. So let's do this. Let's talk about the... So what we're going to talk about, folks, is imagine that in your draft, in your fantasy draft, in your startup, in your redraft, well, more dynasty than redraft, but think about this in the dynasty draft. You drafted with a redraft mindset, and you said, I don't give a damn about any young players. I want to win now. And that was your sole focus. You faded quarterback early. Your starting quarterbacks in a super flex are Derek Carr, Mac Jones, Sam Howell. You were like, I just need starters. Those guys are going to be good enough to start. And you loaded up. In the top of your draft, you went Cooper Cup, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson, or maybe some players that aren't hurt, but they're underperforming veterans, Scott. So you went with a dynasty startup. I'm fading youth. I'm grabbing all the studs and maybe some of the young players you took were like the Drake Londons, the Traylon Burks is like, I can build, I'm going to get production out of those guys and they're young. All right. So say that is your dynasty roster and you're sitting in your league right now and you're 10th in potential points. <laughs> you're one in three. You somehow got a victory out of there somewhere. Derek Carr's hurt. Chubb's done. Henry looked at that point. In your mind, what most people do, Scott, is, well, I paid a second-round startup pick for, you know, Cooper Cup, and, and then I spent a third-round startup pick on Derrick Henry. Like, I can't sell for a second. I can't sell for just one first. So what do you do? So, so there's – and then the other side of that. So the other side of that market, Scott, they want to buy those assets. They want to get some of that Saquon that you want off of. They want Cooper Cup because they think that he's going to take over whenever he comes back. I offer you something that you feel is not worth what I paid. 
Well, I paid way more than that for Cooper Cup. I can't sell for that. I can't sell Derrick Henry for that. I can't move Nick Chubb for this. How do, how do you, how does that even work? If you've got one side saying, I bought for this, therefore I can't sell for that. And the other side's like, dude, you're 0-3. You're 10th in potential points. Like, what are you doing here? You don't, you don't even have capital. How do you work? That? How do you navigate that? Well, that was going to be my first question is, did I also double down and trade away all my future picks as well? Am I, compl- am I going just completely naked with nothing? I have nothing to hold my hat on. No picks. Why on earth would you need to when you got Cooper Cup, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, like what Travis Kelsey? Why do I need picks? Screw picks, baby. I'm, I'm going to run through this league. The war told me I'm going to kill this league. I don't need picks. No, you don't have any damn picks. You got you got a random third. Somehow you still have a third. No picks. So I'm going to say what I would do versus probably what I see happens more often than not. And what I see happens is week four is too early for that person to, to throw in the towel. Week five, probably too early. Week six, probably a little too early. Because, Ray, all I need to do is get to – what seven and seven and I can make the playoffs. And if I get to seven and seven, Derrick Henry, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Those guys can get hot. I can win a title. Now there's a couple things you have to look at. One, you don't have what I call is like rebound value, extrinsic value that you can't see in a trade that a trade calculator is not going to tell you. And a lot of people miss this. This is probably the one thing that people miss the most is they see a trade on face value. I'm offering Ray a second-round pick for this player. He doesn't want to pay a second. He'll only give me a third. Or he's offering me a second, and I want a first. There's an impasse, right? Now, there's no such thing as a mediator in Dynasty. You can ask somebody in the league, hey, you think that's fair? You can ask a friend. I ask Ray. He'll ask me sometimes, hey, do we think this is a good trade to make? But a lot of times, those questions when we ask each other are followed with, Give me some of the context. Tell me why. Because if you're stuck or I'm stuck and I'm asking you, there's something else that's going through our mind where we're wondering, right, throw me a bone here. Give me an angle that I might be missing. And usually what that is, is it's some hidden value that I should be getting back if I'm willing to make this trade. And that is the part of meeting in the middle. In real life, the reason you agree to a mediation and the reason you may concede a little bit is for what way? If we don't get this case settled or we don't get this deal done, guess what I have to do? I have to go back and spend a lot more time and a lot more money to get to a point where hopefully we're back at a place where maybe we can get it fixed the next time. Both sides have that. There's always a time. There's always a money component. It's the same in Dynasty. So you have to look at this and say, all right, if I'm going to make a deal, Ray's coming to me. I'm one in three. You see me as a little bit, uh, you see me a little fragile. You're coming to the team that you kind of want to force to make a decision, right? Like you're coming to me going, hey, I think you should probably start dumping some of those assets. So you offer two seconds for Derrick Henry. I also know that I don't have my own picks. So as soon as I make that one move, Ray, as soon as I send Henry for those two seconds, what's happened now? I know that I have a lot more work to do, right? Because I've made the first deal. I probably have to go make a bunch more deals. And if you're not fully ready for that, then you're not even going to make that first deal. You're going to go, can't do it. And you're never going to make any deals when the reality is the roster you described to me, 
We don't have it for just a fake roster that you made up. But there's probably five or six moves that I need to make on that team to get it to the right spot. One Derrick Henry move isn't going to make it. One Cooper Cup trade isn't going to fix it. Like, there probably needs to be a cascade of moves. So, once I make the first one, I got a plan to make the rest. And people, especially when they don't have their own picks, they don't see the value of making all of those moves at one time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they also don't see where, hey, if I don't have a pick to tank with, what am I getting on the back end? They don't see the value in, hey, next year, six months from now, who do you think I'd rather have on my roster? Would it be Mike Evans or Marvin Mims in a third? And you may look at it and go, how am I accepting that deal? As soon as I make that trade, I'm cooked. I'm I'm risking all that asset that I put into Mike Evans on a second-round rookie that I'm not really sure what his situation is going forward, what his usage is going forward. But what can be the upside of that deal? In six months, my team's going to be shitty. I already know that, right? I don't mm -hmm. have my capital. So I'm going to be in for some lean months after the season. But you know what I probably have? I probably have flexibility in the form of that pick and that asset that at least gets me to the table for the next deal. Mm -hmm. And that should be worth something. Now, I don't know what it's worth. 10% more in the deal, 20% more. I think it depends mm -hmm. on the players and the capital you're getting back. But that just flipping an even trade, those assets, my, Marvin Mims in a third for Mike Evans, hypothetically. If uh, your team direction is going in a place where you have no flexibility, you have to account for the extra value on the side that you're getting. If nobody's doing that deal. That, they just, They're not doing they, Scott, they, they, nobody in the chat is doing that deal. And that's what I, and that's, let me tell, but not, I would do it. Nobody in the chat's doing that. None of them would accept Marvin Mims in a third for Mike Epp. They just wouldn't. And I think 85% of dynasty managers, they're not doing that, right? You, I talked about this yesterday publicly. I posted on a rookie report video that I would trade Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson. I would trade every Jameer Gibbs. I would trade every last one of them for Devon Achan in a second. I would do that. And I wouldn't think twice about it. Did nobody else like that? So my question to you is, that sounds fine and well, Scott, but what if you would accept that, but what if somebody else, and this is where we've got to be actionable, like, what do I, I don't want to sell you Cooper Cup for Marvin Mims in a third. It's Cooper Cup. It's, the, it's Mike Evans. He's a thousand-yard receiver every year. I'm not selling you a goddamn Cooper Cup for Marvin Mims in a third, or I'm not selling you Tony Pollard for Devon A-Chain in a I'm not selling my Pollard for A-Chain in a second. That's that's where the stagnation and the the impasse comes into play when your value isn't my value. So how do you first of all, I ain't got time to try to break down why it, it should work. So I don't have time to explain that to you. So how do you work? How do you navigate that market when there's a manager holding on and, and, and the way that you see this really play out is when somebody posts on Twitter that they traded Joe Burrow for something and they're like really you move burrow for that so they hate the 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 cooper cup for marvin mims in a third but they can't give you what they would actually want or what they would actually want is something ridiculous and you're like come on dude no one's giving you a first and kendra miller for your nick chubb like it's not happening so 
How do you even get a conversation going when the value discrepancy is so wide from side to side? Well, I want to address a comment in the chat because I think it's pertinent to this. Um, Alan Davis put up, if I'm rebuilding, I would do that deal. But, but Alan, to your point, here's the thing. What Ray and I are talking about is an overwhelming amount of managers that we see in Dynasty. Ray, they don't know what they're doing. They haven't acknowledged that they are rebuilding yet. That situation, right? This team did not go into the year going, I need to rebuild. It was the opposite. So it's basically smacked them in the face like, you know what? This isn't working. But how do you get them to recognize that? Because, sure, if a team goes, I'm punting, I'm getting rid of every asset that's over the age of 28 on my team, that's pretty easy, right? If you're smart, you go out there and you just fish for offers from everybody. Who wants Mike Evans? Send me your best offer. I'll go back and forth if I see something with you that I think could work. But what we're kind of talking about here is it's almost the person that is in, you've used the term dynasty denial. They're not calling themselves rebuilding. And the fact that they traded away all their picks, they also may go, you know what? I'm in denial because I have no incentive to rebuild, right? I have nothing to benefit from punting my Mike Evans or my Cooper Cup or my Derrick Henry because what am I going to get for it? My team's going to suck. And in fact, I've heard people go the other way. I traded my first, so I'm going to do everything I can, even though I'm not going to win. I'm willing to blow up my squad. But I don't want that 102 that I traded away accidentally because I thought I was going to win. I don't want Joe Blow over there to benefit from my 102. So I'm going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And I'm not going to ever blow this team up. And then I'm going to go into the offseason. And how many teams have you seen that look like this going into the offseason where the manager made no moves? And then you get a DM, right? Man, I just don't have enough time for this league anymore. You know, like... Don't have enough time. Life stuff came up. And I'm not saying that's everybody, but. Nah, man, call it out. People be full funny. of shit, man. I'm full of shit. Then they do that. You traded every pick away. And somehow, after your failed contender goes belly up, you just don't. Man, that job's really kicking my butt in June and July. I just, I'm letting you know today in January, I won't have time in September. You're full of it. I'm just calling. You're being too nice. I'm calling it out. That's full of shit. I've done it. I've done it before. I know because I've done it before, man. Come on. Not not, not recently, well, but in the past. Well, and then that same person in three months, hey, anyone got a startup? That I, I cleared a bunch of time off my calendar in uh, April and May and June. I'm excited about rookies again. Who has a startup? I'm ready to fire back up. But you, the, the point is where this started was, not knowing when you should throw in the towel and not knowing clearly you have an incentive to rebuild that team where you're not really sure. And I think that's where it comes in is how do you get people to recognize the value in those moves? Because it's, it's easy. And I'll throw this one back at you and to on with your role playing stuff. I, I think one tactic that I use, and I can do this because I'm in a lot of leagues. I have teams that are all over the map teams in the middle that I, that is where I focus most of my energy during the season is the teams in the middle. The ones that are shitty, I already know they're shitty. I'll work to make them as shitty as I can because that's the goal. The ones that are contending, I'm just patching holes. But the ones in the middle are the ones where, man, so I wrote that article this week on Destination Debbie. If you're square in the middle, you're, you're fifth through tenth in potential points and all play record and assets, you need to pick, you need to pick a lane. 
And what I'll do with those teams is I have a couple teams where I'll play both sides, right? I'll go to you. You're 0-4. Hey, I, I punted running back in this league, as I typically do. You willing to trade me your Derrick Henry? If you're being stubborn and you're not going to do it, I'll go the other way. If you're one in three and you're not willing to move your Henry or your Mike Evans, how about you buy something from me? I'll send you my Joe Mixon or my James Conner. And what typically happens? Ah, oh, man, I, I I don't know. I don't know if I can win this year. So that that second for James Conner's that's just too much because my team could suck. It could crap out at any point, and that's the two o two. So I they won't sell, but they won't buy. And I'll test people because I'm in some leagues with the same people. And I'll test them in one range, and I'll test them in the other side right after that. And the most infuriating thing, and I'm sure some people in the chat can relate to this, the most they infuriating thing is they are just paralyzed. Yeah, they middle. Yeah. Won't sell, won't buy, won't do anything. And, and that is where the one benefit I get out of that when I test somebody and they will not sell, but then they also will not buy because I'm willing to go either way. You know what I've probably realized? I'm probably able to beat that manager more often than not because they're not going to make the big move when they need to. They're not going to get ahead of the market. They're going to wait. That's the same person that says, I can't trade that guy. I need to see him do something first. Or let me wait to see what happens before Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a move. And that, with the efficient market, with all the information we have out there, waiting for it, to smack you in the face by then it's too late to avoid too late. The so that's too late that's the yep. most frustrating thing right there yep. yes. by the time by, by the time i smack you in the face it's too late i'm telling you it's too it's too late at that point so we've got to stop this one so we just kind of talked about a situation where you've got a failed older aging rostered contender all right other side the more likely side of of things that probably have played out over the past couple of years all right, we'll just take it. We'll take it from this year. You did a startup this year, and instead of going for it, you said, "You know what? I'm about to load this thing up, Scott, with a bunch of rookies. I'm going rookies and second year players. Rookies and second, and I've done that before. Rookies and second year players only. Right? So you started off, man. You hit a home run. You got Anthony Richardson, and you got Bryce Young. A. Rich and Young are very important in this story. Please remember those two names. A. Rich, Bryce Young, you took, uh, you weren't able to get Jameer Gibbs, but you got Charbonnet and Kendra. Your rookie receivers, you know, you're sitting with Drake London, you've got some Jahan Dotson, Zay Flowers, and you you somehow stumbled into Puka Nakua. Another important name. Tight ends, you didn't get any of the good ones. You got Michael Mayer. And, and Darnell Washington. Those were your tight ends, your main pieces. And then you got some older assets sprinkled in there. You might have a Aaron Jones, a Ramondre, a Ramondre Stevenson, no Aaron Jones. You might have a Ramondre over there. Um, somehow you ended up with a, a Chig Oconquo, something like that. that. But that's your roster. Now your ass is 0-4 and looking around like, man, uh, I've got a Rich. I've got a Puka Nakua, <laughs> but I don't got much else. Traylon looks like a bust. Drake London looks as good as he is. That situation is terrible. You know, my running backs that I pick, Kendra, nothing is happening there. Charbonnet is clearly the two to Kenneth Walker. My Like at that point, now what do you do? Because here's what you see a lot of people do. Well, I could build around a rich. I can build around Puka Nakua. 
I probably can hold on to Kendra. I'm going to keep Ramondre. Got to keep Ramondre. He's, he's only in year four. I got to keep him. At that, at that point, you get offers coming in. Yo, man, like, you know, let's role play. Let's get into it. Hey, what's up with that that Anthony Richardson? You know, I've got a couple of firsts here. Uh, what's up with the A-Rich? And I'm also interested in some of that Zay Flowers. Ain't no way I can do that. I got to build around these guys. I got I want to hold Ramondre just a little bit longer. He's someone that I think I can build my team around in the future. Okay, well, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll kick you this. I, I just can't do it. What do you do at that point when it's just, I want to just hold on to as many young pieces because I think that's the only way I can fix the mess of Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. It's the only way that I can fix Rashad Bateman over, you know, whomever it is. How do you How do you navigate that market when you realize, dude, like the direction you're going is not going to work? You said something at the beginning of the show, like, why can't I just say, dude, your team sucks? Like, you're 0-4, you're not scoring points, you picked the wrong rookies, your team stinks, like... What do you, you're going to let Zay Flowers rot? You're going to let, uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson rot? Why can I just not say that? Is that rude to just be like, dude, your team, your team is not good. Like, can I just say that? Is that, is that, is there etiquette to say that, that your team just stinks? I got this huge monitor up here. I was watching Ray act and move from side to side and just talk to himself. I, I don't even need to be on the show. It's, uh, <laughs> I think it, it's one of those things where if I have a team like that, I think one thing we're learning, I mean, how often have you and I this year talked about the dynasty day trading market and the overreaction? I mean, we have a damn show on the feed called the overreaction pod. And literally they're talking about, okay, what's everyone going to overreact to this week? And more often than not, they're not wrong in terms of, yeah, man, this guy, he's worth two firsts now because he just had a huge game. This guy's dead because he looked terrible. You know, like that. That is dynasty. So if you think about it in that lens and you have one of those teams where, and this is probably more likely where I probably built a team where I thought I could go young, insulated, but I also tell myself looking at war, looking at roster construction, you know what? I might be able to sneak out a contender that contends a year early than I thought it would be, right? If I hit on that Zay Flowers, if Ramondre has the same season he had last year, he can carry me as an anchor RB a rich comes right out the gates. Bryce comes right out the gates. Sweet. I have great rookie QBs that are already both valued top 10 or better. So I have trade assets if I ever want to flip, but I also have assets that other people are going to want. And then it turns into I'm 0 and 4. It's not working. Drake London didn't hit. Bateman and Traylon Burks, they're looking like zeros at this yep. point. Someone put in the chat, you you can't trade those three that I just mentioned. So if you build a young receiver court around Drake London, Traylon Burks, and Rashad Bateman, can't move them at all. Garrett Wilson. You got Garrett, you got Garrett Wilson, too. Let's put that in there. What do you, Garrett Wilson, people still like him. You got Garrett Wilson on that team, too. I mean, he kind of just is a rich man's Drake London, you know, where he's going to give you something, but it's not going to be close to probably what you paid. So I think the point is this. You look at your roster, you can't be – embrace the current way dynasty is being played to the positive in that. Don't, I mean, if that's my team, you know, who's gone, Zach Charbonnet, you know, who's gone, Kendra Miller. Now, is it right now when I can't even get a third, probably for Kendra Miller, maybe I could get a third for Kendra, maybe a third and a fourth. So, okay. I can wait a week 
two weeks, four weeks, there's still 10, 12 weeks in the fantasy season left where you can say there might be a window. So I'm not saying sell them today for nothing, but I don't look at really anything on that roster except for maybe a rich and Bryce as pieces that I cannot move. You know, I'm not afraid to go into an off season and I go, why can't you move? A. I don't rich? have any running back. Why can't you, why can't you move a rich? Okay. I can move rich, but when you start getting to like that level of asset, the deal has to be more specific. When I say I can move everything else, I can liquidate everything else. I'm not afraid to take a Zay Flowers and re-roll if you're going to give me a future first and a second or something like that. You know, people go, can't move. Someone asked me a question today. I'll just give this example because it's very easy. Uh, They wanted to buy CJ Stroud as a rebuilding team. So they're coming to a contender that got Stroud who was that contender's QB3. They're sitting on Hurts. They're sitting on Lawrence. And they're sitting on Stroud. So, I mean, they're... They're sitting pretty, right? They hit on Stroud, and they already have two studs. So the rebuilder or the punting team is trying to buy Stroud, going, hey, I I can buy Stroud. I'll be set for quarterback next year. And someone, this person sends me a screenshot, and the guy is tanking for Caleb next year. And you look at his taxi squad. Bijan on the taxi. Zay Flowers on the taxi. A. Rich on the taxi. So he's already parking everybody on the taxi, right? And the person that he was inquiring about Stroud to, of course, that person goes, hey, and that's a contending team that's riding Stroud right now, or at least has Stroud. He goes, you know what would make sense? How about we work a deal where I give you Stroud? You give me that Bijan, because he's a running back, right? Maybe we talk Stroud for Bijan and Zay Flowers, and maybe I'll kick back a second or something. And the response was, can't move Bijan. Can't move him, because I need him for next year and the year after when I contend. So the team comes and says, I want Stroud as a rebuilder. But the the top six assets that they're waiting for next year, they won't trade. So that's the kind of team where it's like they're not willing. They're trying to insulate. And you made a great comment on your show earlier today where teams come after a certain position. And then they go and they try to make a counteroffer. They get counteroffered. And they don't want to offer anything of value. You know, they want to supplement their young wide receiver core, but they're looking, you know, in the cross space, trying to figure out what they can give you. And you're going, hey, I'm willing to make a deal. I'll I'll deal Zay Flowers. I'll deal Brandon Ayuk. I'll deal Amon Ross St. Brown. But I like that receiver that you have on your team. And you go, oh, man, no. Nah. Nah, can't move. Can't move <laughs> That's Zay what Flowers. You see. You know, I, That's what you see yes, in the community. Yeah. That, is, that is probably the number one I think everybody in this chat, please just put yes, you agree, whatever. Somebody wants something of value from your your team, right? Or you want something of value from somebody else's team, but they want something of value from your. It makes your ass stop and think, well, damn. Like, how how dare you ask me for my Joe Burrow when I've asked you for Anthony Richardson and, and Puka Nakua? Why, why would you even, you know what I mean? Like, it, that is what you see more times than not is... I want something of value, but I don't want to give up anything of value. Like you should take my five pennies and give me, you know what I mean? A quarter, essentially, you know, I'm giving you a bunch of this trash that I really don't want without giving up this. You can't, it doesn't work that way. Like, I think if more people were willing to just say, you know what? I want that Stroud, man. 
and I know I'm gonna have to pay for that Stroud, and I'm willing to pay for that Stroud. How do we just get it done in a fair? Like, how do you get what you want, and I get what I want? Like, like that's all we're trying to figure out. And I think if we were just a little more open that way, instead of asking me for the farm for like, come on, like, and some things get sent, and you're like, dude, why would I do that? Like, why, why, why would I do that? If you want this, cool. You want my Puka Nakua, my Kenneth Walker, fine. I'm willing to do that, but come correct. I'm not even saying your best offer, but just I'm willing to get this. I know it's going to cost. I know you're going to want something good. What is it? What would it take? Like, what are you looking at? What, what, what would it take? I'll even put the package together. Just I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Let's just get this done. And more times than not, it's just like, Nope, I don't, I can't move Bijan. I can't move that. Like, that's something I need to. Your, well, then what are we doing? Like, what are we doing at that point, you know? Well, it's, yeah, it's like I come to Ray and I say, Ray, I'm interested in CJ Stroud. But here is the, the list of players on my team that I will not move. And I list the top eight assets, you know? And then you're probably like, okay, well, the guys I'd have interest in are probably on that list of eight. So where do I even go with that trade offer? And I, and I think... That, that is the part that, and it goes back to my original point, I am not afraid to gut a team that I think is up and coming if it means I understand the structure and I understand the economy in my league. And it, back to the example you gave, I even said A-Rich. Maybe I'm a little rigid by not being willing to even move a guy like A-Rich. But when it comes to Bijan, Zay Flowers, JSN, I don't care if it's a team that I wasn't ready to contend this year and I'm waiting for next year. That doesn't mean those guys go off to the side and I cannot trade them. Meanwhile, I'm out there trying to go, hey, can I buy Marvin Mims? Can I buy Jaden Reed? Let me try to buy him from, let me buy some more young insulated pieces. But nah, you can't touch those seven pieces over there that I'm holding for next year. So I think it's understanding this game. Embrace the fact that you can build a good running back room, especially overnight. In yes. an off-season, think about how much time goes by from January to September. You're not telling me you can't build a running back room in nine months if you just play the waiver wire, yes. you make savvy trades, you wait for a guy to get drafted, and then you buy Raheem Mostert. You know, you buy a rookie when he gets injured in training camp. Like, there's tons of opportunities to grow a running back room. Tight ends. We'll do our war games in a couple weeks, Ray. I have never been more confident that tight ends are less worth anything. If you look at what's winning out there, and it's not even what's winning at tight end, it's what's winning with certain tight ends and your roster construction. If you just punted tight end and you said, hey, I'm going to roll with Tyler Conklin. Now, you don't have anything but a top 18 tight end, but how much did you pay? You paid a penny. The guy that paid $2 for Dallas Goddard, he's not getting any more war than you're getting with Tyler Conklin. Right. So the advantage was... You just punted tight end and you rolled with the guy you have. So you can build a running back room. You can build a tight end room. I think you could even build a receiver room. Look at all the receivers that have changed value in the last three or four weeks in Dynasty and then the receivers that we thought would be productive this year that are fading to black. Yep. So that just tells me the day trading market in Dynasty, you can build a team quickly. Now, you may not win every trade when you're doing that. There may be a point where you go, hey, I need a running back. 
I need a couple receivers, so I'm going to have to go pay a future first to get Ayuk or pay a first and a second to get Zay Flowers. But you can make those moves and build a contender very quickly as long as you have the right construction and as long as you have some sort of plan Hey, if I trade away that A-Rich, right? Like you said, that rebuilding team trades away A-Rich. You need to have a plan of how to fix that by next year. But it doesn't mean I can just go, ah, I don't need to move anything. I'm not moving anything. I'm just going to let it ride into next year. I think with the dynasty day trading market that we have now, you can build a team very quickly that can contend. You can win the damn league from starting off from scratch and building it by the end of the summer. You have a contender. If you're willing to be active and if you're willing to work with other people that are trying to go in opposite directions, which means you're going to have mutually beneficial deals. I want to talk about this comment from Jesse Morris. Jesse Morris said this a couple of minutes ago. He said, people aren't as convicted as you two fellas. And is that, is that an aren't or an are? He put aren't. It's aren't. Aren't. He put, he put aren't. an uh, aren't underneath it. He just misspelled it in the thing. Yeah. Said so you, you guys, you're talking about all this shit, but people aren't as convicted as y'all. People, so when I read that, now I would love for you to expound upon that if you if you're still here, Jesse. Is that is that basically like the paralysis? Like you just don't want to do anything because you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to trade, or you play in one league or two leagues, right? Scott and I are in a portfolio. I, I play in currently over forty leagues. I've got six, seven Tony Pollards. I don't give a shit if if I trade four of them away and then it ends up being the wrong. Okay, whatever. I is it the league size? Is it the fear of being wrong? Is it like what is conviction? It's a game, and and I think so many times people think because you make a bad trade, which you don't even know if it's bad or not until later down the line. For the most part, outside of immediate production, you know you can recover from that one bad deal. Doesn't sink. You know how many bad deals I've made? I traded Justin Jefferson the week before the rookie season explosion went on, and I traded him for James Conner back when he was with the Steelers. I've made awful deals left and right. I traded Jamar Chase for damn Jerry Judy in a first. Jerry Judy in a first for Jamar Chase before his rookie season, and my team is still dominant, and I'm going to win the league again. You can recover from bad deals, but it feels like people are so scared to make one to trade away the next Amon Ross St. Brown, to trade away the next Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes when in reality, like there aren't gonna be that many damn Patrick Mahomeses that come around. Like if you if you're scared that you're gonna miss out on Patrick Mahomes, you're never gonna win. Like if if that's what you're fearful of of missing out on Mahomes or Jefferson when those guys are the outliers and everybody else is probably what you should be chasing, like you you're going to be stuck in the middle forever. You're just going to be a walking donation. You are going to be the people that the person that people wants to invite to dynasty leagues because a you are active, you are tapped in, but you're scared. You're a coward. You don't want to make a move. That's what I call them, Scott. You can't be a coward in this game that we play because you can recover. You can recover from a deal that goes and stop chasing the damn results, Scott. I think so many times people are chasing a result in a trade. I don't. If you trade for a result and that backfires on you, that's when I feel bad. If the process was right, you know how many process deals I felt bad about? Very few. Some of them I'm like, you know what? I wish I could have that one back. But like feeling bad about it, it was the right, it was the right process. And if I were in the same situation, I would do the same thing again. The ones that kill me 
are the the gut feel ones that I just can't do it. Ah, man, I just can't do it. Or not following the process, and then that blows up in my face. So just talk about that for a minute. Well, I want to address something because it did come up in the chat, and it is this is very parallel to the real world too. I mean, look at a really large corporation, right? They can easily cave on something they know they're not responsible for, but they can pay to make it go away, right? Wealthy people, athletes do that all the time. And it's not the same exactly in Dynasty, but if you're in 40 leagues like you are, you're in 50 leagues like me, you and I can have a little bit of a, you know what, try it mentality. You know what, I'll go try it over in this league. Let me take that deal. A, because I don't have the time to go in the chat and talk for an hour with the person and haggle over an extra third or a second. If it's close enough, I'll accept it. You and I both do that to where, you know what, it's sitting in front of me. I can hit accept and move on with my day. We'll just take the deal. Even if I could have grinded out another 5% or whatever. Like I may talk about, like I try to do that on every deal, but the reality is if it accomplishes what I want to accomplish, it's very easy for me just to say, you know what, wipe my hands clean, deal done. That league is now heading further in the direction that I planned on it going, and I'm satisfied. Even if I didn't get every little ounce of value. Now, that's easy for me to do because I have three or four other leagues where I can go, you know what, I wouldn't take that deal. I'm going to go in the other direction. I have seven shares of that player. Who cares if I trade one away? So, yes, having more leagues allows you to make more. I don't even want to say gambles because I think a lot of our deals are still coming from there's a process behind it. We're not just going in. You know what? We, neither of us go into a league and go, screw let me just give away all the value just because I don't care. It's still a process behind it, but there's no less apprehensive or less apprehension for us to say, you know what? I'm just going to pull the trigger on the deal. Now, to the people that say I'm only in one league and it's not that active, it's the equivalent if you went to like a casino and you were like, all right, I'm only making one bet. I got 500 bucks. I only can make one bet. Now you have to bet $500, right? But what are you uh, probably going to do? You're going to be real calculated on what you bet. You're going to do some research. If it's a game you're betting on, you're going to really dive into it. Maybe take a little extra time to vet the deal. Make sure you're on the right side of all the information and whatever. And then at the end of the day, you're going to put the bet down. But the equi equivalent in Dynasty is the person that only has the one or two leagues. But then you look and they're not, they're still not ever making a bet. You know, they're just sitting there. So even if you only have a couple leagues, sure, bigger risk, bigger reward, right? You win one out of one leagues, you're the best dynasty player there is, right? You're 100%. You win 100% of the leagues you play in. But what I see is a lot of people that are even only in a couple leagues, they're still not really picking a lane. They don't have a process. They just sit there, back to the word you use, they're just paralyzed. So, I, it matters how many leagues you're in. Obviously, it matters if you can de-risk a lot of the decisions that you're making. But I don't think it changes or it doesn't give you an excuse to say, ah, oh, man, I just can't do anything. Because anything I do, I only get one shot at the apple. And if I miss it, I miss it. You know, like you can't think that way. Otherwise, you're just going to be stuck on stagnant. And there's going to be somebody in your home league, your one league, that you know what? They go, this is my one league. Screw it. I'm going to make the deal. And then that's the guy that either loses or wins, you know, and you're going like, geez. So that it's final thoughts. On it, that. It, it, it really, and I don't know how many of y'all here are, are, are better sports gamblers, but I, I'm very much into plus EV betting. And when you make a trade, 
like Tony Pollard for Devon Achan, and I'm trying to say his name right, Achan, and a second round pick. If we were looking at odds for just like player success or at least player perceived market value, however you want to do it, KTC, Tony Pollard would be like minus 115, and then Devon Achan in the second would be like plus 150, right? Like it's on a on a single roll. It's probably a more likely than not chance that Tony Pollard for his career is probably a little better fantasy producer than whatever you get out of A-Chan and the second. But in the event that you're right and you bet and your process is sound and you do this enough to allow the EV market to the variance to do its thing, but you come out, you flip that coin. That's all EV is. You flip that coin a hundred times. The probability is this side is going to win out more than that. In one single coin flip, it's a 50, who knows? It might be Tony Pollard. But in the more of those EV bets you take when they do hit, when A-Chan finishes the season as a better fantasy producer than Tony Pollard, he's got more dynasty value, and that second round pick allowed you to go buy Puka Nakua, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, whomever it is, and the combination of those two players elevated that team to the fantasy championship that is process. Like that is literally all it is. In one single coin flip, whoever Scott drafts with that second round pick and Devon A. Chain, maybe it's not as good as Tony Pollard with that one single coin flip. But the more you continue to follow the process and do that over and over again, you will be profitable. Like there's no, it is math. It 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 is it's probabilities. You will be. Um so don't be afraid. So many people are concerned with winning the deal. And by winning the deal, it's how your freaking friends perceive the trade in the chat or how some idiots that you'll never meet on Twitter. Don't give it. Let me tell everybody in here. I don't give a damn who posts your. You'll never meet those folks on Twitter. None. When you go to sleep at night and wake up, ain't none of y'all on each other's minds. So who gives a damn if your trade gets posted on Twitter and blasted? I've had so many things, but I don't care. It doesn't matter. Process, structure, discipline, not operating within this fear zone and understanding that it's a freaking game. And no matter how much Trinity talk I give you or leverage and process Scott talks about, we ain't got no result over the outcome of the damn game. I don't know who's going to, I have no idea. I thought Ramondre was going to get a whole bunch of touches. He didn't. Like, I, I don't know. I, we can't do that. So trust the process. Don't be scared. And understand that one bad deal and whatever looks bad today could look fantastic down the line. And Scott, I think it's important for us to highlight some of the things that we've done that have failed and some of the things that we've done that were mocked and ridiculed that have worked out beautifully. Right? You... I, I'll put myself on the stake. I am Isaiah Likely from the hilltops to the mountain, drafting him, paying, he ain't doing shit. And you said it from the jump. Ray, it ain't happening. Here's why. I don't give a damn, Scott. Todd Monken. Todd Monken. I'm, give me that Likely. Seconds for bad. Just. I was wrong. He was, he's worthless. I wasted money. But you know what? I play it enough to where it's fine. I was wrong. Move on to the next and keep it going, man. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah, we can do an entire show. We should probably do this. If the people post in the chat, they would want this. We should do an entire show of just kind of highlighting 
where I don't even want to say it was process went wrong, but just some bets where maybe we were a little too convicted or just essentially where, where do we make bad bets and maybe talk through if we could have improved the process or not. So maybe that can be a future show. I, I want to kind of just end the show or wrap it up with this because I think there's two ways we could take this. The first thing would be what's the actionable advice for people that feel like they're in a bunch of leagues or they're in a couple leagues where this is taking place? Because you mentioned it earlier in the day, like earlier in the show. Do you really want to have to be the guy that just flat out says in the DM or says in the trade offer, listen, man, you need to pick a lane. Like, I don't want to, I don't like being the person that tells the other person how to run their team or tells them, hey, you know, Ray, that 0-4 is not looking too good. You know, that's only, you only got nine weeks left in the regular season or 10 weeks left in the regular season. The math isn't looking too hot. You got this injury. Like, you should probably consider trying to kind of push your pick up. Let's say you have your future first. Maybe you should get some of those points off your team. Like, I don't want to have to tell you that, but I also want to play with people that are constantly looking at their teams in that lens, though. You know, and if it's just, if it's somebody that's inactive, we talked about this earlier today, so maybe we, we end the show like this. If it's somebody that's inactive, doesn't even do anything, you can look at their roster and their activity and just say, they're not even managing the team. Forget about picking a direction or forget about examining what they should do. They're just not even active. And people know who those people are in their leagues. And if you're in a league full of that, not fun for me. So I'll just bounce and say, you know what? The league doesn't work because nobody's active. I should be able to move in some direction. If I try to go up, down, left, or right, and no one responds, what's the point of being in the league, right? So that's the first thing. I want to play with people that are at least, I don't care if you're the exact opposite or the same as me. I want to play with people that are constantly examining their team, saying, which way can I take this? Where's the next edge? You know, and I'm willing to really go in any direction that makes sense, but I'm always looking at for a direction to go other than do nothing. And not do nothing for one week or two weeks. Do nothing for the whole year. So how how do we, and maybe this is a little bit of kind of like a, I don't want to say a cry for help, but just like get some Jacksons from the community. How yeah. do we encourage people to be thinking this way? Because in this rat race of a day trading dynasty game that we play in, if, if the people aren't playing like this and they're constantly not looking for edges on the market that is changing every single week, like what, what is your league if that's the case, right? We're in a couple leagues where damn 40% of the league is just inactive. Inactive, it, and it's not even that they go, you go, wow, they're making a bunch of bad trades. If a team's going to blow up their roster and sell everything at half off, I would rather see that if they tell yeah. me they have a plan versus they just don't do anything. So how, how do we how do we get people to start thinking this way? Maybe maybe it's a loaded question that we can't it's, cover in 5 minutes, but that's kind of what I'm wondering. Well, 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 it's this is the first of many conversations I think we'll have about this. I think this was um this is a good show. Seemed like the chat really enjoyed this and I want to I just want to highlight a couple of things before we get out of here Scott that that were said that I favored it, okay? Um and really quick and you've got to be brief like Quick answers right here, Scott. Is there ever too active of managers? Is that such a thing? To be too active, and you said today that you'd rather the too active than the inactive. So quickly, is there ever like too active of managers? 
Uh, no, and uh, shout out to Cole World who asked the question. I'm in a league with him, and this is the dude that's grinding the Melvin Gordons and the yes, Tony Joneses off the waiver wire, and he's sending offers every single day. So no, but just when you're too active, you're not always going to get deals, and that's okay. But if that's what you want to do, if you want to grind, if you want to be the one that's sending out those single those trades every single day, then no, there's no such thing as too active. Got another one right here from uh, Fly Meatwad. Leagues played in definitely is a huge factor in the fear of getting flamed in the group chat, being deemed the loser of a deal. So he's saying he's seeing it where he's playing at too, that people are scared of getting flamed or, or losing the deal. So quickly, how, how do we, the people who are watching this, like, I'm just going to be real. The people who are in the chat live right now and everybody that watches this show after, after we're done, those people, this is who this is who we're trying to help. How do we help them sort of get over the fear of losing the deal? Like what what advice would you give people right now if if real quick to to not be afraid to operate dynasty out of fear? I'll just say this. Would wouldn't you rather live your life to where people had an opinion on you one way or the other versus they said, I don't even know who you are? Isn't that what it is? Like, do you want to just sit in your league and never make Man. a move? Or do you want to make the one that makes the big swing? And even if you miss, I'd rather go down going one way or the other versus, oh, yeah, that Scott guy. Who was he again? Who was he I, I again? I don't think he ever did anything that I had. It, it stood out in life at all. So, I mean, just think about it that way. Don't be scared to be the one that goes, you know what? I'm on one side, and if I'm wrong, own it. We do that every day. And that that actually should have been – the final question, because that was a great answer that I probably will steal and use and pitch as my own at some point. That was good, Scott. I love it, baby. Um, what do we have right here? Um, all right. So Jesse came back and he said, you're on point. I think with the amount of leagues we have and the amount of moves we've made in our dynasty career, good or bad, it gives more confidence in future decisions. And I think that's the key. When you do this, right, like when you do the process over repeatedly, Scott, I can I can point to one isolated deal that we've done where that one deal works out bad for you, and I guarantee you're just like, yeah, sucks. Oh, well. Like, would have rather had the player now, but oh, well. And, and that's the confidence that you win some, you lose some, and that's just what it is, right? And I don't even know if it's lose per se because who knows what you're able to do with the pick that you got as leverage or a player that you got from leverage but the point is you gain the confidence right to just be like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't yeah, and that's where a lot of the extreme strategies i think sometimes miss they don't define what audience they're talking to and yeah you could really you can turn somebody off if you say here's the best strategy and they only make it one time and it goes wrong person's going to say yeah, strategy doesn't work so i do think you just learn by doing and you definitely learn from your own mistakes for sure i've i've made so many mistakes in dynasty we could do hours and hours of content people people so, yeah, want you just people want that too people people want that too i'm just letting you know that when we said that it was just like hell yeah do that show we're tapped in they want to see and I, and I don't i do not care i kind of i could think and i'll screenshot the deals because here's the thing 90% of them, 95%, there was a process and there was rhyme and reason and I would do it again. So I really don't care that the result ended up going opposite, but we, we will put that together to take some time to pull everything and organize the structure. 
but we'll do that. Maybe after the season, we'll talk about some things that went wrong and and really highlight the process around um, those moves. We do have a couple of Super Chat questions before we get out of here, so we have to acknowledge the people that have given us a little tip for being here. This one from um, Ivan the Fan. He said, can y'all discuss the idea of trading Stroud for a shot at Caleb? Hype versus actual results seems flawed. T-Law, T-Law, Pitts, Gibbs. So you've got Stroud. Scott, would would you even consider moving him for a shot? Let's, let me just say you can guarantee Caleb Williams. Let's just go that far. You can guarantee you can get Caleb Williams. Would you trade CJ Stroud? Yep, because I already know Caleb Williams will have just as much or more market flexibility, so I have no problem doing that. It's where you think you're getting Caleb, and it's the 104. 30% chance, would you do it? 30% chance, would you do it? 30% chance you get Caleb, would you do it? 30% no. 50. I'm not not that risky. 50. 50, because I'm probably looking at a really good chance of getting a top two or three pick, so I'd I'd be willing to try it once, sure. 75%, you would do it? Yeah, seventy-five. The reason, you're getting in a range. You feel real good about that pick, even if it's until until you until you do it, and it's the one hundred three. Then you're just like, why the f did I do that? All right, we have one more, one more, and we'll get out of here. Uh, that's why I kept pushing. Okay, uh, five dollars from post uh, post Carl Malone. Player Q equals what the hell do you do with Burks? Three and one feels like Bateman again. Offered Henry for him straight up. Or Hollywood for Burks uh, for Burks plus a second jump ship. I, I I don't want Burks this year. I'm I'm good on Traylon Burks. And here's the thing: players like Traylon Burks, players like Drake London, even players like Garrett Wilson. I can guarantee you the volatility and the fluctuation will be like this. So even if you sell, you can go buy that guy back probably less than what you got for. Like I have no I have no issue pivoting off of Burks, especially if I can get Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Derrick Henry, if if you're going for it, absolutely move off of Traylon. I guarantee you, the, the certainty that I will guarantee you is you'll be able to buy him back. You will be able to get Burks back. Anything else, 100%. Scott? That, that's one of those. Pl- I was just going to say with that, uh, there's a bunch of tools out there, fantasy points, fantasy life. You can go find some deals where you're like, you know what? I'm comfortable trading Burks for Romeo Dobbs. And yes. two weeks ago, people would have gone, you're, that's laughable. But you can find some gems, especially if you're willing to kind of just accept some production now or take a little bit of a risk. Yeah, that nothing worse than holding the Burks or Batemans and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. It's actually stressful. So feel, feel good and getting off those guys when you can. Trinity Report literally dropped as we started the stream. I talk about Traylon Burks. I talk about Brandon Ayuk. I talk about Romeo Dobbs. Check out the Trinity Usage and Utilization Report for the receivers. Shout out to Fantasy Points. They've got a beautiful data suite. It's for free, too. You can try it out for a couple of days. We don't endorse them. They ain't part of the show. But, Scott, this was probably the most engaging we've been with the chat. We kept it kept it good. This was, this felt good. So appreciate all 200 and something of y'all that stuck with us for a little over an hour. We will be back next Wednesday. And for those of y'all who are members of the discord, go to destinationdevy.com. We're going live myself and Shane, Shane, Shane Manila. Y'all know who he is, man. God damn it. Trades in five. Shane, my man talking hammers. We're going live in the discord right after this for an AMA to kind of recap this. 
talk with the patrons. It's an opportunity for y'all to engage with us. And really, it's an opportunity for everybody out there that supports DD to support DD, man. Check out the tools on the website. I'm writing articles. Scott's writing articles. we got a fantastic team of people who are doing things. And if your rosters are really wrecked and terrible, Trades in 5. You go to DynastyTradesIn5.com. Sign up for a roster review. You can get in live with Scott himself and Shane. They'll break down, review the roster with you. It's live on video. And there's something special happening this Friday, right, Scott, with Trades in 5? Something special? Yeah, this Friday night, 7 o'clock Eastern. It is our two-year anniversary show. October 6, 2021, we launched Trades in 5, or I think we put out our first video that day. So we're doing a five-hour live stream, 7 to midnight, October 6th, Friday night. Crazy. I think there may be a couple guests, including maybe Ray. I've heard Ray might be guesting on there. Maybe. We'll see. But we'll five-hour stream, it's going to be daunting, but two-year anniversary. So if you support DD, if you support Trades in 5, show up Friday night if you can tap in on the YouTube channel. And if you can't, it'll be posted on the pod feed and it'll be posted on the replay on YouTube. So I think we really found our groove in this show. I think this is there's all this Dynasty content out there, Ray, recapping the week buys and sells and i think we just get out here and wrap we're seeing in leagues and what's frustrating us and also ways we can make the game better i think that's kind of our calling for this show so i really enjoyed this one tonight jesse ryan allen cold world graphic joe uh schmidt david jasmine man matt everybody that's in here garrison we appreciate y'all being here so many to name everybody we thank y'all we'll see y'all next wednesday stay tapped in we out